You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. There are primarily three stages in reference to a partaker. A partaker is, first of all, a participant. And some people that participate uh, are doing so because a friend, a relative, or somebody else is participating. They're just part of the crowd. From a church standpoint, they're just part of the congregation. Just participate. They clap, and I'm going to clap, too. Just participate. He's saying amen. I'm going to say it, too. Just participate. The second stage of a partaker is a member. The person decides I like participating. I like doing this so I'm going to become a member. I'm going to become a part of it. And so The person joins in and starts doing things that he or she feels he or she needs to do or he or she may even, from a church standpoint, be led to do it, have become a member. And, and, you know, we, we can go to Corinthians and, and conclude that when you're really a member of the church or the body of Christ, you understand that everybody is guided by one spirit. Because the goal of the members of the body of Christ is to function as one. Christ is not separate. He's one. And therefore, the church should operate as one body. I like how Paul dealt with it. He said it never should be to, to the point to where the hand, uh, the hand says, I don't need the feet. No, everybody is essential. He even went so far as to say, those parts of the body that seem weaker are even more so needed. And, and sometimes we know that. You, you know, you can be happy with your hand and the hand working, but then you mess around and slam that little finger right there in the door and, and just almost cut it. Off and you just got God. You didn't know how wonderful it was until that happened. 
but a partaker becomes a member. And finally, a partaker becomes a sharer. And sharing should be both ways. Because biblically, when it comes to sharing, we, we recognize that, that, that sharing is just like sowing. When you sow, you, you reap. And so if, if you are a true member, I share with you and you share with me. I help you and you help me. We are sharers. We are sharing. I share my gift. You share your gift. And we all try to share according to the written and revealed word of God when it comes to the church. So we are, we are partakers. At, but, but everything we do as partakers is based upon the will of of God when it comes to the church. How many understand? Amen. Now, the author of Hebrews wanted the saints of God to be partakers in reference to in reference to Christ. He wanted them to be genuine partakers when, uh, according to Christ. And again, I've, I've talked about the three, three stages you, you go through. Now, I need to add something. Uh, you go through the three stages, but when you really get in God and understand partaking and start sharing and doing what you need to do, Sooner or later, you, you become an adherent. You are on a level as a partaker to the point to where no matter what, you're going to stick with God. You might mess up, but you're still going to stick with God. You're going to do what's necessary, and you're going to stick. You're not going to allow trouble, trials, or such to cause you to stop sharing, stop being a member. Reason being, you have become an adherent. You're sticking to his will. And you're not going to allow anything or anybody to separate you from that. You fully understand what Paul talked about it in Romans 8 when, when he just asked the question to the saints, who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? And then he, he brought out a long list of stuff. And he concluded by saying that he was persuaded that nothing, nor nobody, would be able to separate us. 
But when you become like that, you, you are yes, a partaker, but you have went to the point to where you are an adherent. You're going to stick to the wish of the will of God. You understand? But notice again here that he wanted, he wanted the saints to be partakers in reference to Christ. But he, he does something that I love. He gives them an example of people that name the name of God. That God gave the opportunity to be partakers. But they basically refuse God's wish. Didn't want it. And I like how he, he presents it because part of, of the majority of people that he was talking to at the time that he wanted to, to really be genuine partakers were Hebrews or Israelites. So when he starts talking about the ones that God wanted to be partakers, he does not mention their name. As is as if he's just too embarrassed to say it was y'all kinfolk. <laughs> or it was our kinfolk. You notice how he, he alludes to Israel, but he never calls their name. He does mention Mo he said Moses let him out. Let him out of bondage or Egypt. They were messed up and so Moses showed up and he led out the unnamed folk in the text. He let them out. He let them out. But notice, they, they, they heard the word. They heard what God wanted. But they still, notice he uses so many different Words to describe it. He talks about how they harden their heart, how they rebel, and then in his summation, he calls what they did unbelief. He also called it a sin. He said they rebel, they had unbelief, they didn't want to listen. And they sin. And you've seen a side of God to where uh, it lets you know he's nothing to play with. Because notice what happened to them. Their corpse failed in an unproductive place of the wilderness. And, and so he, he paints a picture for them to the point to where 
He said, we see. We see. The way he explained it was so vivid to where he said, we see that they didn't enter in because of their unbelief. But the one word I want to deal with that he talked about, and I want to go to a scripture in reference to what Israel did, is that he said they, they rebel. They rebel. I just want to go to one scripture. Let's go to um, 1 Samuel. Y'all stay with me. Because we're, we're trying to get everybody to, to see this, because we don't want you to end up like Israel. But, but notice uh, 1 Samuel 15 and 23. I just want to read the first clause. That's all I want to deal with. Remember, he, he said they, were, they rebelled. 1 Samuel 15 23. I want y'all to help me read it on one. One, read. Four. Oh, I said the first clause. For rebellion is what? As what? Sin of witchcraft. And see, witchcraft is demonic. Get this. God was leading people. But the people he was leading wanted the devil instead of him. Rebellion is. Say to your neighbor, witchcraft is demonic. That, that's point blank. Witchcraft is of the devil. God trying to lead them to battle a land flowing with milk and honey. But because they didn't want to go through or didn't want to deal with what God allowed them to deal with before they got to the promised land, they just rebel. We ain't got nothing to eat. But he done fed you two, three times. We ain't got nothing to drink. He done gave you something to drink two, three times. But they still were demonic. I'm, I'm going to say something. I don't want y'all to get mad. Well, you might, but I hope you don't get mad at me. We've been the same way. Yeah, we am. So sometimes God, uh, we'll be, we'll get to going through it, and we'll get to talking, and then God will turn around. He'll deliver us. How I many God have delivered you time and time again? But in the but before the deliverance, you had a little spell of complaining. Come on, I need them same hands now, same hands. See, see when you when you complain. 
and fight, you're headed toward rebellion. Now, I'm not going to the passage, but, but the Lord actually counted how many times Israel complained. He actually counted how many times they complained. And he told Mo- he said, Moses, these folks have complained such and such number of times. He said, they don't complain. But, but then they got to the point to where they just started defying authority, which is rebellion. We ain't going to do that, Moses. We just ain't going to do it. They did it to the point to where uh, they told Moses they weren't going to do it after the spies went in the land and came back and, and they had a bad report. They said, no, we ain't, ain't going to do it, Moses. We are not going to do it. And then, then a curse came upon them. And they turned around and said, we're going to do it, Moses. We're going to do it. But the Lord said, no, it's too late now. Now get this. Then, even though the Lord told them it was too late, they rebelled and did it anyway. Tried to do what he had told them to do, but it was too late. And they still suffered. God wouldn't let them get in. And they died in the wilderness. And so again, the, the uh, author of Hebrews just puts the picture before the saints, letting them know, look, this is what happened. This is, this is not history. This is about the God that changes not. If it happened to them, it can happen to us. That's what he wanted them to understand. He wanted them to understand what happened to Israel could happen to them. Because the bottom line, God wanted Israel to be partakers. He was okay for them just to participate when they came out of Egypt. But once they started getting the word from Moses, he wanted them to become a part of the nation. A part of his covenant. And then he wanted them to become sharers. He would do for them, but he expected them to do likewise. And his desire was for all of them to become like Joshua and Caleb. They would become adherent or or they would stick with God no matter what. You know, Caleb and Joshua went, went with the 10 that had the bad report. But because they, they were so stuck on the will of God, they said to the people, say, say, look, we need to go right now. We are well able to do it. He, he was not looking at, he was not looking at who they were, literally. His biggest thing was God. Because see, Israel was slaves. They, they didn't know how to fight. 
They didn't know how to fight no giants. They didn't know how to fight them folk. But Caleb and Joshua, hey, we, we can do it. God said it was ours, so, so, hey, let's go right now. He wasn't thinking about let's train these folk. No, let's go right now. We done seen this God open up the Red Sea. Let's go right now. We done seen this God tell you, Moses, to just speak to something and water will come out. Let's go right now. That's what you call an adherent. That's what you call somebody that is not only a sharer, but a person that is so convinced that God is going to do a seeding abundantly above more than they ask or think. And so, the Hebrew author, he, he was like, look, we're going to be partakers, but you got to understand how we have to be bona fide partakers. Which brings me to the 14th verse. I'm going to deal with it a few minutes and then we're going to go to the house. Look at what he says here in Hebrews 3 and 14 again. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence. Set fast. Notice this. To the end. If God on one Sunday morning tells you he's, he's going to heal you. Your healing going to take place by the time you get to that keyboard over there. You got to go through a process. I'm going to heal you. It's going to be just like Israel. They left Egypt and the promised land was, was, we'll say the promised land was from here to the keyboard as well. You got that word on Sunday. You're shouting about it on that Sunday. That's your beginning. You began it with a shout. God going to heal me. But in the process of time, you get to going through trials and tribulations. To the point to where sometimes you say stuff. You ain't got no business saying. Woo. Then sometimes you get so upset. You may even get off the path that God. Place you on. You're supposed to be over there. But hey you is right here. And that Lord have mercy. Say to your neighbor, you, you can't allow the process. And what happens through the process to get you out the will of God. But sometimes it does. Say to your neighbor, to the best of us. And, and, and then sometimes you, 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 you be unshouted, God going to heal you, but then you, you go so far, you're running on to see what the end going to be. And then all of a sudden, you done got a bad report. Lord, I thought God was going to heal me. Look at what you're doing. Backslide. You got way up there, and now you're right. 
That, that's what Israel did. Israel was at one time was just going around in a in a circle, just back doing the same thing again and again, which was not God's will. And so, he said, you got to hold on to what he gave you from the beginning. From the beginning. And see, if we really understand Israel, Israel had to deal with not having food. And then when they looked, they didn't see no cow they could kill. No sheep they could slaughter. They didn't see no fruit they could eat. They didn't see no corn they could pick. Didn't even see no desert rat they could scoop up. Oh, you get hungry enough, ain't no telling what you may try. They told Moses, you done brought us out here to die of hunger in this wilderness. You done, died, you done brought us out here to die of thirst in this wilderness. They could, they didn't deal with the process the way they needed to. And, and, and see, the church, the church has forgot something that Jesus said that was very important. He said, look, if any of y'all coming after me, take up your cross and follow me. The cross, point blank, the primary thing about the cross is suffering. You're going to go through stuff. And he specifically said... Take up your cross. Follow me. Say your name. You're going to go through some suffering. Now before Jesus talked about the cross, David in Psalm 34 and 19 said, Many are the afflictions. Of who? He specifically said, Saints, righteous folk, they're going to suffer. But you, but you still have to hold on to your confidence. Jesus said something that, that I was just like, God, God this, this man healed folk. He raised folk from the dead. But he actually told them that if they, ha- if they have to cut off a hand, Lose something major to enter into the kingdom. So be it. So be it. So be it. 
It's better to enter into the kingdom without it than to have it and be cast into the place where the worm dieth not. And so, he said, look, we, we got to hold on to our confidence. We got to be steadfast until the end. Lord, I, Lord have mercy. Let, let me just deal with something real quick. Now, let, let me deal with confidence real quick. Lord, Lord, have mercy. Lord, Jesus. Say your neighbor, he, he trying to just hurry this thing on. But I want to make sure you get it. Say to your neighbor, you got to get it. Go with me to, the, go with me to Hebrews. We're going to Hebrews, but we're going to uh, chapter 10. Chapter 10. Y'all already know where I'm going. Hebrews 10. I'm going to start at verse 35. I'm going to go to the end of the chapter. Therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise. Don't cast away whose confidence? Now God gave it to you but you when, when he gave you a word to stir up your confidence, it was your duty to possess it or take ownership of it. The Hebrew writer understood it. That's the reason he says, point blank, cast not away your whose confidence. Your confidence. God gave you a word that should have you to the point to where you're trusting him. You got confidence in him. Don't cast away your confidence which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. When you got to endure something, that means you're going through a period of suffering. You have need of endurance that after you have the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet, a little while. And who is coming will come and will not delay or tarry. But then he talks about us. Now the just shall live by what? See, the, see your confidence should be based upon what you heard. In reference to the word. Because faith comes by. Hearing. And hearing. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back. Backslide. My soul has no pleasure in him. But then knows what he said. But we are not of those who draw back to. Perdition. Death. Or the receiving of. A curse. A point blank you get out of the will of God. 
but of those who believe to the of the what? To the saving of the soul. Notice the way he mentions saving of the soul is a process. It's some folks if they don't get their deliverance just like that, they don't believe it's going to happen. But if the truth be told, the majority of folk, biblically speaking, as well as presently speaking, it was not instant. It was a process. God allows the process because of how he rewards us primarily. How is that? By faith. Faith comes by? Now she done heard that I'm going to bless her. She know that's her rhema, that I'm going to bless her. So I'm going to see if she's going to hold on to her rhema. She got it today. But I'm going to see if she's going to hold on to that rhema 30 days from now. If she does, I'm going to give her what she's been asking for. But then he say, I'm going to see if he is going to hold on to that for five years, and then I'm going to give him what he asked him for. Because you know that there is a thing uh, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit called long suffering. And when you've been in God a long time, uh, or you're mature, when it comes to certain things, you're going to be the one that's going to experience that long suffering. How do you know I went through the long suffering process but whether it's a short term or long term God is faithful Paul said if you endure with him you'll also reign with him if you choose not to be faithful he's yet faithful why he can't deny himself he can't deny himself. He's going to do what he promised. I love how Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass, but not, not the word, not what I said. What you say, Jesus, everything. Why? He the word. He said everything. From Genesis to Revelation, he said everything. Even what men said on his behalf, they got it from him. Because he is God the word. How many understand that? All right, we got to go further. Mercy, y'all, all right. Notice back in uh, Hebrews 3 as I close, Lord Jesus, I'm closing it, but but notice this Hebrews 3 and 14. We have to, we, we have to hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. You got to be steadfast, you got to hold on, you got to be steadfast, you got to be stable got to be constant in holding on to your your confidence you got to be stable you can't change one antithesis that that I'm that I'm going to have to deal with of steadfast is waver that that's probably the most prominent Antithesis, biblically speaking, 
to steadfast. I'm going to show you why. James 1. We're going to read verses 5 through 8. Just turn the page a little bit. James is right after Hebrews. Y'all holding on? James 1. We'll start at verse 5. This shouldn't be us, but, but if it is, he's going to tell you what to do. If any of you lacks wisdom, how many get knowledge and understanding week in and week out? Yeah. Knowledge plus understanding equates what? We, we have wisdom. If you've been receiving the teaching. But notice, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all how? And without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. He who doubts is like what? A wave. I told you, to waver is the most prominent antithesis of steadfast when it comes to the Bible. He who doubts. Is a person that. Will wave a waver. Person will not remain. Steadfast. Now when you wave. A doubt. It also says about you. Uh. Something that's synonymous with wavering. You are of two minds. Or you're indecisive. You're going to trust God on Friday, but then something happened. You're going to stop. But then you're going to you get stirred back up and you're going to start trusting him. Again, you're indecisive. And all of us have, have battled these things. Y'all holding on? Because he's going to deal with it in the text. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, help me, indecisive of two minds. Unstable in what? Unstable in what? And notice back in verse 7. Let not that man or woman suppose that he or she will receive what? From who? I can't be double-minded because I need too much from him. See, my lifestyle is, is, is dependent on him blessing me. Yours? My lifestyle ain't dependent on my check. I, I, I just, I got to have him. I love the check, but I got to have him more. Ask your neighbor, is your lifestyle dependent on him? Pray ain't no option for me. I, I got to pray. 
It ain't no option. You know how some folks say, you ever thought about prayer? I, I ain't got to think. I'm going to pray. Prayer is not an option. It's not an option for me to, to wait for the Holy Spirit to tell me. He's going to have to tell me. That, that, that is not an option anymore. He have to tell me whether to teach this, preach this, or, or go here, or go. It, it is no, it's no longer an option. It's no longer an option for me to choose uh, whether I'm going to trust God or the doctor. It's, it's God. The only way the doctor is going to even come in the picture if God tells me to. Do something in reference to it. The only way you're going to come into the picture is if God tell me. See, he, he, just, he just got me when he said he's going to lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit. Okay? Because you know I ain't good at, I done messed myself up more times than I got fingers and toes to count. So if he's going to lead me into all truth, I'm just going to wait on him. Well, I ain't gonna get this. I ain't gonna get that car unless you tell me exactly what to do because I done got too many high interest rates before. So whatever you do, if this house ain't for me, you just let me know. Say to your neighbor, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. is not an option. I have to be led by him. Ooh, I got to close it. Good. Jesus. All right, y'all, y'all stay with me. Y'all stay with me. Let's go to uh, Psalm 112. Ooh, Jesus. God. God from Zion. I'm close. I'm close. Lord have mercy. Psalm 112. We, we, we got to be steadfast. We just got to be steadfast. You agree? All right, well, go with me to Psalm 112. Lord, have mercy. We two minutes over time. Lord, Jesus. Y'all so nice, but we still over time. <laughs> Psalm 112, we're going to start at, at verse 5. Ready? A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with Surely he will never be shaken. Now notice, he's going to start equating a good man as a righteous man in the latter part of verse 6. Or as a righteous in the latter part of verse 6. The righteous will be in everlasting, help me. He will not be, help me, of evil what? Tidings is what? News. Or a report. He's not going to be, help me, afraid of evil what? Or an evil report or evil news. He's going to hear it. See, see, let me tell you something. You're going to hear bad news. Fear going to come to you. It's going to try to control you. It's going to come. You're going to hear negative things about 
you. Even though you're Lord, how can this be? I've been fasting. <laughs> Many all. <laughs> Look at the verse. And let's read it one more time. I'm closing with this verse. Psalm 112, we're going to read verse 7 again. Well, verse, latter part of verse 6. The righteous will be an everlasting. Remember, he will not be afraid of evil tidy. That, that does not say fear is not going to come, does it? Everybody, yeah. And fear may make you jump. Fear may make you think about something negative. But you don't let it control you. Evil may cause you to wonder. A bad report may cause you to wonder. But you don't let it control you. Don't let it control you. You got to remain how? Steadfast. Got to remain constant. Stay steadfast no matter what. Even if you're hurting, you still got to remain steadfast. Verse 7. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is. And see, that's the reason. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Notice this. His heart is established. It's stable. So he's steadfast. And notice this right here. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. And the psalmist's particular case, his desire was for something to happen to his enemies. Because that's Based upon, the, based upon the text, the implication is that his evil news was about his enemies. But see, your, your bad report may be about your health, may be about the loan you're applying for, or something else. But you still have to remain constant and steadfast. Because get this, there's going to be situations... There's nothing you can do. You're just going to have to completely just say, God, however you want to handle this, just, just, just guide me. You understand what I'm saying? But as children of God, we have to have steadfast confidence. I'm going to stop right there.